everybody. Welcome back to a great episode of Black and Blue Podcast. My name is Chris Swanson, Sheriff in Genesee County, Flint, Michigan. Ken Waddy K. Free Hugs Project. And so we have a super special guest with us. And um, you're going you're gonna to hear about what he's doing. But more importantly, uh, I think it's important for us to lay down real briefly how we got started, and that'll dovetail into why this guest is such a big deal to me. Yeah. And that is... Well, and he was just mentioned in the last episode, yeah. too, when we were talking with Valerie, about Valerie and, and Jackie. Yeah, because I had asked the question, I said, um, with everything that's been going on with... Um, her role with like meeting with law enforcement is there anyone that has like given her any hope for change and she said for the most part no except you you know and she's like he's yeah that's that's huge that's a major major compliment especially coming from someone like her if you're i know you know valerie you know she's one that doesn't hold her tongue right like she she keeps it real (laughs) and uh, so for her to actually have kind words i was like well who is this sheriff because he must be a good guy if she can speak highly of him yeah because i'm like she doesn't seem like the type that's just gonna fake that she had no reason to so that was very uh commendable she says whatever she says whatever she wants to say yeah and what's ever on her mind (laughs) exactly we we gathered we had to bleep a couple but we don't do bleeps (laughs) but we're gonna just say it so ken and i met because of a protest that happened with george floyd in minneapolis minnesota and uh that kind of uh spilled over obviously across the country but certainly in my community on may 30th 2020 when we were able to turn that around and do some things and a lot of people stepped up and and we were able to have 40 additional protests and no arrests no no glass breakage no nothing we had conversations that's how i met ken so i've said around the country and around the world that george floyd changed american policing forever and uh, i believe that well, while we were going through all the protests last year and COVID, everybody experienced that. We were building out a program in the jail as the sheriff. I get to do cool things and you don't have to ask for permission because the people are your supporters. And uh, we wanted to change the whole model of incarceration to education uh, because, you know, going on 30 years in the criminal justice system as a sheriff, you know, we're seeing three generations of people come through the jail. And you look how much money is being spent on incarceration, both at the state level, at the federal level, at the local level. I mean, it's ridiculous, right? That being said, we started the IGNITE program, which Mm -hmm. is inmate growth naturally intensely through education. So in Genesee County, we go to school five days a week, two hours a day. Inmates come in. They're in three tiers, zero to 60 days, 60 to 180, 180 and beyond. They're classified. And in those tiers, we find out where their last grade has completed and what studies they left. Like you may have gotten a diploma, but what is it you want to learn that you've never learned before? And if you say, I I, I love construction, boom, we'll plug you into the virtual reality construction module. If you want to learn how to actually start the apprenticeship, we have a curriculum for that. You can learn French. You can get your diploma. There's hundreds of courses. We go to school. And it's all based on a meritocracy. So these inmates... They, they realize that life is about you do your part, then life does their part, mm-hmm. not reverse. Yep. So that whole program, we launched it September 8th, which is key, 2020. Coach Harbaugh was there from the Wolverines. Chief Justice Bridget McCormick was there and of the Supreme Court Justice in Michigan. We had all these, Percy Glover was there. That kind of propelled. We did an assessment eight weeks later. The entire uh, math 
grade assessment went up an entire grade for the whole jail from fifth to sixth grade. The average math grade of jails around the country is fifth grade. Wow. Then when it comes to reading comprehension, it was sixth grade. We bumped that up a grade and a half. We've had diplomas that have been received. We've done commencements. We put people in full-time work. So this model that you, is different than incarceration, it gives hope to the community. Mm -hmm. So when you're hanging on a light post at a target on May 30th and you're promising to make change, you better deliver. Mm -hmm. And Ignite was one of those elements that we delivered and we've continued to it's picked up steam we've got the N the nfl detroit alumni chapter that gave 16 grand in scholarships we've got the nhl detroit chapter of the red wings they donated two vr stations we have the uaw donated vr stations. those are 5500 bucks a piece so now all three floors they can take one of 50 life skills tests and they can learn how to build a door frame or plumb a uh, a sink that has caught the attention of the Michigan Sheriff Association, which caught the attention of the National Sheriff Association, where the USA Today picked up an article and did an intense overview of this education program for jails. Yeah. And what they found is this is really what will reduce recidivism, which is returning into jail. Mm -hmm. In fact, there's a RAND study, R-A-N-D, in 2016, that do you know that any post-diploma education in the incarceration model reduces recidivism 43%. Wow. So if you look at just, like I give an example, the Michigan Department of Corrections, just the state budget for prisons is 2.2 billion. 43% mm -hmm. of that is $860 million. Wow. Like what, what could that state do with 860 million more? Mm -hmm. So we've said, we don't want to make better inmates, we want to make better people. I fly down to uh, Phoenix three weeks ago and uh, we're doing this talk on race relations, which is where I met Alice Johnson yes. from the previous show. So Alice and I and another dude are doing this talk. And in about four rows back, I see uh, this big burly sheriff next to, uh, uh, it turns out to be his administrative assistant, taking these ferocious notes. And uh, we get done with the talk and he makes a beeline. And I look at his tag and I'm like, I know exactly who you are. And that's who's on the freaking show. Wow. Sheriff Hutchinson from Hennepin County. Minnesota, baby. Wait, so what was your guys' relationship before? That? We never met. Really? No. Oh, so, wow. Tell us. I, I don't, you got to do your part, man. Yeah, my my major major Duana Witt uh, was in the. She was uh, helping out on uh, what Sheriff Swanson was talking about, and she did such a good job because she has a cool story because you know her whole family was uh, in and out of jail and courts, and uh, she didn't get hired here as a deputy way back when because her family had such a uh, problem uh so she went to a different county worked her way up to um captain and then about a year and a half two years ago i wanted her to come over as my major which is you know third in command and she runs the court in jails and she's uh she's a pretty she's one of the best people i've ever met so then and she's a black we, female uh, black female but very uh she's been through some stuff she's she still has problems with her family, uh, but she's uh, the most one of the most powerful women of color in law enforcement in the, in the wow. state. So wow. uh, the bad, uh, she's good. I, love her. <laughs> I know what you're about to say. <laughs> I'm not going to swear. Yeah. But, uh, I think it's important, and we've been through some stuff here, obviously, with, uh, you know, go back to like, the Casile, you go, all these things, and, of course, uh, Mr. Floyd's murder, and then some other issues with Brooklyn Center since then. Uh, well, Sheriff, tell, tell the listeners where Hennepin County is. Uh, Hennepin County, so Minneapolis is in Hennepin County. It's mm -hmm. uh, the largest sheriff's office in the in the state by about three or four times. 
for about 1.5 million people. Uh, the next county over that's most populated is 550, and Minnesota only only has five million people. Uh, so we're the epicenter of everything, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but we can we're good. I think this ignites. Uh, working with uh, Sheriff Swanson and other people like minded. I'm part of the major county sheriffs. I'm on the technology board, uh, but I also do a lot of stuff with education. Uh, my goal was to, we started a try wellness program to make sure our deputies and staff are healthy uh, so they treat people better. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, we're going to do some outfacing stuff. Mental health is kind of my, uh, my vision, my forte, if you will, because not only I have uh, over five or six uh, friends of mine who in law enforcement who took their own lives died wow. by suicide. And we have the same problem with people incarcerated. They're they're unhappy. We've had suicides in our in our death by suicides in our jail, which uh, aren't good. I mean, they're heartbreaking. Plus, it's, you know, it's it doesn't look good when the news uh, talks about it. So uh, that's why this ignite program. People just gotta give these people hope. Like said, we're not trying to ruin these people's lives or punish them. Our goal is to make them better. We have programs now, but it's not working like it should. So I think if we get this ignite going. And this is a big major county throughout the, the Midwest. We're known nationally for a bunch of stuff we've done, yeah. uh, both positive and negative. So I think um, this is going to be awesome. I'm, I'm so excited that, you know, sometimes if you believe in God, sometimes God puts you in these positions that, uh, uh, you know, because we're, we're in a place now where we need something. And uh, thanks to Sheriff Swanson, I think it's is it. Yeah. We're going to get these unbelievable. people educated. We're getting them on the right track. It's going to reduce crime. It's going to have a better relationship with with uh, my sheriff's office and and people of color. Uh, but um, we got to do something different. And I think this is it. Uh, I was t- my chief uh, deputy, who's go sheriff, chief deputy majors, um, also a black female, uh, and she's um, very stern and structured and and one of the smartest people I ever met. And as soon as I, uh, as soon as she bought into this, I knew it was good because. <laughs> She, uh, she is like, I'm her boss, but she still says to me, like, Sheriff, do you think that's a good idea? Yeah. Which means it's a dumb idea. Yeah. <laughs> she was, you saw her sheriff on the call. She was, yep. she was like, well, and she, and she doesn't, she does not hold back. Yeah. Uh, she'll say whatever she needs to say. And, and after I talked to her, she's like, this is a phenomenal idea. This is unbelievable. So as soon as I knew we had her, I knew it was going to be success. No offense to anybody else, but uh, yeah. that's it's I have in there. So. so Ken and I just did an episode, uh, a sec, uh, one before this, about what we're doing as uh, influencers and the image that we're portraying and the influence we're trying to do. And, and we said, are we making the big str- you know progress? And then he brought up about relationships and how just yesterday, Ken and I had uh, dinner with Kurt Menefee from uh, NFL Fox Sports. Well, we couldn't have gotten there without doing this. <clears throat> You and I had never met. I never pitched Ignite to you. But the relationship that I built with the MSA, Michigan Sheriff Association, with the NSA brought me there that brought me to you. What was the trigger that you saw that said, I need this, I want to talk to Swanson, that brought us together? I think I, I heard you, you talk uh, in, one of those, in one of the classes. Uh, and when you mentioned Ignite, I, I Googled it, read briefly about it. And I thought this, this is what I've been trying, maybe not to this level, but I've been training because I'm really close with the, the unions, yeah. the labor union. Uh, before policing, I was in the plumbing industry, but like the unions are the uh, carpenters, the plumbing, the uh, 
painters, the sheet metal workers, like they became friends of mine, the business agents. And we keep saying, hey, you know, one, one of the guys names Colin. I'm like, you guys need people. You need strong young men and women to do these jobs where they make a crap ton of money, by the way. Uh, and we keep talking about We're like, yeah, we should do this. We should do that. And that's been for two years. So I knew this right thing because that was kind of a plug and play. And these union guys I've talked to, they're so excited because they're yeah. hurt for people. And and they'll take people with, with felonies on their record. Um, Tethers, they'll take, probation. They'll take all those people. Sometimes if they can't work at a school or whatever. But majority, I mean, it's just a win-win. And, and I tell these, uh, before I was sheriff, when I was a street sergeant, I told these kids, like, you can make more money, uh, you know, hanging a roof on a house that you can sling a dope. Um, you know, I front and the trades that some of the trades you don't work in the winter here, uh, and you can still make a hundred grand. It's like, and they start hearing that, uh, and it's a skill that they can take with them until they die. It's like, this yeah. is, I, I love the trades. It's kind of where my, my family grew up in and, uh, I just can't wait for it to get going on this. I'm excited. It's really cool. It's really cool. So Ken yeah. cut his teeth, uh, in the protest world in, um, in North Carolina, but he is well-versed in what you experienced in Minneapolis, although uh, neither he or I were actually there. But uh, can you describe to the listeners what it was like when the protests started in Minneapolis as the sheriff of the county? Yeah, I tell you, I, I woke up, uh, I think I woke up in the middle of the night to a text from my friend, uh, this young Somali guy that I mentored, who moved out to Seattle to become a cop and he sent me the video and I looked at it and I'm thinking to myself, God, I hope that's not Minneapolis cops. I, you know, some other cities have similar uniforms and I'm looking at the first thing that come to my head is this is not going to be good. So I started making arrangements. Uh, you know, uh, a few uh, local jurisdictions were ill-prepared. We had some political divides between mayors and governors and, um, and, you know, my sheriff's office is very large, but we still don't have enough people to take over uh, a large city like Minneapolis. So uh, we started this um, group. Uh, what you know, had cops from all over the Twin Cities, all over the state, to come in and out. But what we did is, first of all, all those relationships I had with, you know, I had to throw out a shout out for a mother's love. That's a, a woman who uh, is a mother. A mother's love. Uh, she's a Lisa Clemens, probably the. Uh, you know, talk about a woman who will say whatever she wants to say, uh, but she gets stuff done. Then another guy is named Trey from We Push for Peace. I called those people right away. I said, "What are we going to do?" They helped us out. Very, very bad situation. I mean, I drove down there. You know, I was out in the lines helping people, trying to calm people down. Uh, it wasn't working. And as soon as that third precinct uh, in South Minneapolis burned and you know, the auto zone burn and target burn. I drove down a few days later, four or five days later, stuff was still burning because the fire department's so far behind. The videos and stuff you saw on TV was not even half of it. Um, and then, you know, we got it calmed down. And then, of course, the trial. And then right before the trial, uh, a young man was shot, as you saw in Brooklyn Center. Mm -hmm. uh, all started again before the trial. The trial went off without a hitch because justice was served, in my opinion. Yep. Uh, but you know, being the sheriff, uh, first-term sheriff, uh, I've been through some things, never on that magnitude. But uh, as soon as that happened, I know that we needed to try to something else. And and I think this is just baby steps at this point. I mean, like, Minneapolis is 
intermolar crime is out of control. Uh, you know, just a couple of nights ago, there's a video of a, a young man we've dealt with doing bring on to the middle street in uptown uh, shooting 25 rounds out the window with hundreds of people nearby. Wow. And so we got to make sure that we have to go after people who are causing the majority of the violent crime, but also people who, who want a second chance. We got to make them better because jail is not, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's makes people institutionalized. doesn't make them better. If we get them jobs and they get a house, I keep talking, if you have housing, a job, and a significant other who cares about you, yeah. uh, you're not going to come back to jail. And I don't want you to come back to jail. Right. If I never do it over there, you know, I, I pray for that every night. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really so amazing. How, um, since since you've taken over um, <clears throat> in that role there, how much would you say it has needed to be a culture change? Because obviously with um, with Valerie mentioning how, how different you are, would you say that there is a culture that existed there where a lot of that responsibility has fallen on you to create change? Because it's kind of like the way that I view Chris as well, where it's like um, a, a lot of it is you all as trailblazers saying, we've got to start thinking differently. Like if we want things to, to be different, even with both of the um, impact that you both have uh, moving towards the Ignite, program that it takes a certain heart of a sheriff or an officer That's to right. say you know what this is extremely important and so how much would you say people are on board there or is there some pushback just in general from maybe it's community-wide politically or even within your department well, i think for culture i think you know the sheriff's office and, and not putting anybody down or say sheriff's offices are better uh, but they are because we don't have to listen to a mayor. We don't have to listen to this or that. We have a county board we have to maintain a relationship with for money. But I think really the culture in the Minneapolis Police Department, which is separate from the County Sheriff's Office, has always kind of been a little more, you know, we're the police. We tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. And then the new, uh, the newer chief, Rondo, has really pushed hard. To, uh, you know, he's a uh, African-American guy mm-hmm. who's just probably the sweetest person in the world. But he's had to try to change that culture. It's been very, very tough for him. Yeah. The sheriff's when I came in, I was an underdog. My, my predecessor was here for 12 years. Um, very kind of more old school. He did a lot of good, more old school. And um, so the sheriff's office, honestly, was, was kind of easy to change. You know, people want to be happy and healthy. Mm-hmm. And if we give opportunities to be happy, healthy deputies in the jail, on the streets, in our lakes and rivers, they're going to treat people better. It's just like any. Yeah. If you work panels and you have a good manager or a crappy manager, the people with a good manager are going to be nice they serve um so it was pretty easy we still got some holdovers that you know we put places where they can't be uh yes. but, but that's so i think culturally i i in my opinion we had to change how we treat our staff so our staff can treat the people, people we serve better. better wow that's big that's really cool so, so it's, it's been easy but it's also been a little challenging so yeah. it's, we're doing our best I know this seems to be a common theme because we did a a podcast months ago with uh, an activist from Detroit, and uh, he and his wife spent uh, 19 days straight in the streets protecting their own community because the people during the protests that were causing the problems that were rioters, different than protesters, were coming from other communities, and they were exploiting that city. 
as the sheriff, did you see people that weren't even from Minneapolis coming to destroy Minneapolis uh, and think, what are you doing here? Did you see that happen too? Yeah, you know, they came early on. They came and, and, and screwed stuff up pretty bad. But they, they're so good at what they do that, and the local people, like, by, by the chance, by the time we actually could get our, our teams up to arrest people, all the agitators from the outside were gone. They went, they came, they went back to Portland or Seattle or wherever, and that's where you saw the whole nation kind of have issues from Floyd's killing. Um, so early on, it was agitators from the outside, but they kind of brainwashed, I think, some of these local people into continuing this behavior. But then again, we, we, our relationship with the churches, mm-hmm. you get an old school African-American church uh, pastor from the north side, you get a couple of his boys to come down and get these people off the streets. That changes everything. Those, those, those guys did more work in five minutes than we did with riot gear. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that crazy? Five it's days. the peacekeepers. That's, that's, that's really it. what it is. And the fact that we, we just did another episode with Gabby Trejo, who organizes her faith-based community, because they can do things that, yeah. that police can't even do. Yeah. When you see an old-school brother who's been preaching for 40 years, walk down the street, you're like, he knows my auntie, he knows yeah, my grandma, he knows my mom, yeah, and you're 30 home. years old, I better go. I better go home. Shoot. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Not, not only do they have the, the gift of gab, but they'll also slap the you-know-what out of you. Yeah, oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Very much so. That's Sheriff, I, I, I got to Go ahead. I see them coming, I get out of their way. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. We, uh, we have talked before, you and I, um, you know, our job as sheriff can get a little bit uh, frustrating and discouraging because we want to do so much. And, and Ken and I are like-minded. Progress doesn't come fast enough. But um, what keeps you going as the sheriff? Like, you did something to Valerie that caused her, without even knowing you're going to be on the show two hours later, to respect you. What causes you frustration that you can't have more people respect what you do? But I think, you know, and if, if people get to meet me, they know I'm genuine. I don't have a, I don't want to be further in the political. I became sheriff because the former sheriff I thought needed to go because of some stuff. I'm, was I'm he of cop. the same party? Um, no, he was not. Okay. Uh, he was much more conservative, but much more moderate. And, yep. And uh, you know, what we call him in Minnesota, the DFL party, which is... Um, you know, Democratic Party. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that aside, I, I don't care about politics. Politics to me means nothing. I, I'm a professional in public safety. I come from a long line of uh, police. I just want ours to be better uh, yep. than we were. So it keeps me up at night. It's all this politics. It shouldn't matter if you're a rich or white person from the Lake Minnetonk, which is a fancy area, or a African-American from a middle-class area, or uh, we have a lot of Hmong, a lot of Somali. A lot of Latinos here. It shouldn't matter what your area code or your income level is. If you live in Hennepin County, you should feel safe. Uh, that's done so much with immigration, too. Is if you call 911, I don't give a crap who you are. We're going to help you. We're going to make sure your family gets better. Yeah. See, I, I say that about the, what people don't realize is sheriffs have to claim a party, but you should never have your party justify doing your job. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I agree, you know, as a Democratic sheriff uh, in Flint, Michigan, you know, whoever calls 911, I, I never even say, I've used this example. I don't ever say, oh, wait, whoa, 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 wait, wait a second. 
Where do you go to church? And what color are you? You, know, you just go and we risk our lives. 161 cops have died since January 1st this year alone. You tell me a profession where 161 people in that profession have died in the United States. Nobody. If there was 161 any other professions, this, this, that would be the conversation every day. Because police need to do it the right way, and that is protect the community, and that's everybody. Yeah. And Sheriff Swanson, look how many are dying by suicide, too. Unbelievable. This stuff, it's just, like, I've lost so many friends from it, so that's why it's so important to me. But uh, we can't properly police anybody if we don't have people coming in this profession. We need to recruit good people. We need better training. We need to do better. Um, we do, like Paul Austin said, we're, we're better together. Um, nobody is smarter than the next person. No party is right 100% of the time. No white person, no black person, whoever is right 100% of the time. But if we can agree to disagree and just say, for human beings, my job is is to keep people safe and to do better. And and this is it for me politically. I'm never going to run for a different political office because this is where my heart's at. I love it. So uh, do you think Valerie's made some progress in Hennepin she County? Has. She has. And, and I think, you know, you talk about there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it. I think she's doing it the right way. And the, there is some people who are trying to hijack some things uh, where I don't think it's the right thing. I mean, because we have to, as a community, when the police or the sheriff's office is wrong, hold us accountable. Yes. But when, but when we do things that are right, like for instance, if you shoot at the police, um, you're gonna, you know, unfortunately, they're gonna shoot back. Yeah. And uh, not that I want that, but we shouldn't be protesting that kind of thing. We should be protesting things like Mr. Floyd's killing and other things. But if you shoot at the police, you're a wanted felon. You should not have groups and groups of people out there protesting because then it takes away from the, the real victims. And yeah. if you shoot at the police and you're a bad guy with, with a gun that shouldn't have a gun, it's way different than a man that was kneeled on for nine minutes. And that's where you have to separate it. And I think Valerie is, she's doing the right way, but there's so many agitators here now that are, are, are pushing the messages out and it, and it really starting to concern me a little bit. You know, what he mentioned about being in part of the major counties, it's 500,000 people plus and uh, across the country, and those sheriffs meet together. Do you feel that other major sheriffs uh, have the same temperament and heart that you do, or uh, does it frustrate you that they don't have that? What are you finding? They, they do, and even like um, and more conservative, like there's some Florida sheriffs are very, very conservative, but even they know, like um, – that they have to change with what the people want to change. So they're doing stuff that I can't believe some of them are doing. I'm like, even some Texas sheriffs, like, it's like, you look at them like they're cowboys, but they know that they have to have better relation, race relations to make their community safer. We have to treat everybody the same. And if there's idiot deputies, or idiot cops, we got to get rid of them. Yes. I mean, I'm a union guy. I was a union guy for 10 years at my old agency. Well, we didn't, we didn't defend evil doers or people yeah. who did stuff illegally on purpose or yep. hurt people, I like people's civil rights. Our job was to make sure that the administration follows the contracts. That's the difference. And I think people lose faith. Like we want to get rid of bad cops, but also I hold good cops and cops that the deputies that do the right thing all the time to a higher standard. I hold them on a pedestal. And if they make a mistake, yes, like a human mistake, we have to support them and make sure they're better. Um, but we can't, we got to get rid of rogue cops, but we got to make sure good cops are held to a high standard 
and we hold them on a pedestal and we put that out there every single day more than you know the two percent of bad interactions you know minneapolis five six hundred thousand calls for service two or three go bad and that's we don't want that to go bad but that's pretty good odds any other profession um you know you look at the medical profession uh, they have a lot a uh, lot more tr uh, issues in their professions but i always say and, and you say it better than i do share swanton is let's not reform let's not rethink let's not reimagine let's uh evolve bring it to Exactly. Hmm. And I, I'm ready to do it. Uh, I think this night's going to get attention to, to make this agency better because we're in the, we're in the hot spot. I mean, George Floyd, uh, his killing uh, affected, you know, affected my life personally, but it's effective law enforcement, not just here, but worldwide. And we got to use that tragedy to be better. And right now, I think we're starting to get there. But you know, we have to come together and say, when we're wrong, we can go to prison like anybody else. But when we're doing the right thing, you got to give us the room to do our jobs. Yeah. That's powerful. Do you still have protests in Minneapolis as of this? And, and we're recording on July the 9th right now, 2021. Yeah. There's always protests, but now this uptown thing where there was a shooting several weeks ago. Uh, but now it's just they're using it as a political Mm. Um, you know, but I went there and I talked to some people out there and I said, you know, who was the, the man that was shot by the U.S. Marshals? And I bet you five out of the 10 don't know his name. Mm. Yeah. Opportunists. Yeah. And that's what we found, too, is you had people that took advantage of the opportunity to act out against authority, not in memory of this particular person. Oh, for sure. For sure. Hmm. And, and, and to be honest with you, and I, and I hate saying it even, but... Uh, 90% of them are white people from the suburbs. I mean, um, and we, and again, that's fine, but uh, they cause those problems and they go get in their, uh, you know, $50,000 car and they go back to their house yeah. and the, the area destructed. And it's just, yeah. Isn't it funny got, we talked about that, I think on the episode with, with Trey, where it's yeah. like some of these people that don't even live in the communities where it's happening especially antifa we mentioned that with antifa antifa is like college aged white kids like they they're not even impacted as heavily about the things that they're creating the destruction around and and like he mentioned they're flying out from portland they're flying out from seattle they're being bussed in from some of these areas tearing a whole city apart leaving and then the media portrays it as oh it was your local Tell them what you told me about the stores. Wait till you hear this. Yeah. So who who breaks in and, and uh, burns the store down? Antifa's, mm -hmm. and then who does the media get taking the TVs and tennis shoes out of the front door? Young black males. That's it. Always. Uh, it's uh, that's the problem. I mean, they didn't break in and burn the building down, but then then you see all these young black kids come out of the store smiling with the TVs. Yeah. It's like they didn't start the fire. They didn't, they didn't break in. Yeah. They store open with you know nice stuff of course they're gonna do it i mean yeah it seems like everyone else is doing it yeah and and, really and it's not justifying it yeah. well who do you see on the tv exactly it's <laughs> always gonna be the black kids yeah it's it's so messed up man it's unfortunate and i i think it's it's important to even hear that from you and recognize that that, that you see it as well because we see it and and it hurts in knowing that that's the way that the media portrays that narrative because I remember there was a time I was. And then I got um, a question on what you just said. Sure, I was out in um, 
in Oakland, uh, California. And uh, during the, the protest, same thing. We've seen areas where some of these guys from Antifa, during a protest, they'll show up with like bricks and, and stuff on pallets and drop it off right there. And like, here you guys go. Why are you bringing that over here? You know, same thing. When I was in Charlotte, North Carolina, there was a uh, there was a white kid with a skateboard, and all of the hotels and cars that were downtown, he was using the bottom of his skateboard, and he was busting out all of the glass. And so you had all of the black protesters who were standing across the street, and we're all yelling at him, like, "Dude, what are you doing? Whose cars are those? Why are you busting up that hotel?" And then he's flipping us off, and then just leaves hmm. but when the media shows up they're going to show all of this broken glass and all of these black protesters over here and it's like yeah. what it's frustrating but, man but to the message you, go ahead sheriff i'm not trying to be a conspiracist or anything but um like i i have a, a lot of friends with different backgrounds and i remember uh he's, he's a haitian immigrant lives in minneapolis now uh he's part of the lgbt lgbt i'm part of the community i can't think of it right now a big community yeah. and he and i went out to dinner with my husband and him and his significant other and he's like this super good guy nurse practitioner and he's jokingly said to me hey hutch we're not supposed to be sitting here having drinks in fancy bar in downtown we're supposed to hit each other you're a white cop <laughs> i'm a black guy and i thought like he was joking but it actually kind of hurt my feelings and i said to him i said that's what they want us to yes, think about yes. Nobody gives a shit, excuse me. Um, nobody really cares about, I don't care what you look like. Yeah. I don't care who you pray to or who you love. Just don't be a dick. Yeah. I mean, it's a two-story dick. Oh, that's hilarious. Very true. So, you know, what message you said before uh, in a total different episode, mm -hmm. you were talking about the messaging that black fathers can have to their kids when it comes to respect on authority, whether it's a white officer, black officer, female or male officer. Mm -hmm. Should the message be, hey, even if you are protesting and you see an opportunity to commit a crime, grab a TV or shoes, don't seize the moment because everybody else is doing that. Yeah. Isn't that, yeah. I mean, I don't want to make it obvious that because somebody else does something gives you a pass to do no, less no 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 we've yeah we have to educate um better than that yeah we have to inform better than that and and that's you know even some of the work that i was doing when i was out there in charlotte when i mentioned going to go find the ogs and letting them know hey, yeah you guys we can't be letting some of these young kids yeah. go inside these buildings like this and they're like you know what you're right i got you you know and sure we go in and try and prevent that so it's not even just our responsibility as parents to teach the younger generations but sometimes even in the heat of the moment to teach that's right and, and say hey just because they've busted up that thing that doesn't mean that it's now open for trespassing for everyone to go in mm -hmm. so so i do think that's important that even in the moment that we are still teaching yeah. to, to be better so Hutch, I, uh, I want to give you an opportunity for final thoughts. Uh, I am super excited and I, I prepped this show to tell the community that's listening and my friend Ken that we had a grand opening of Ignite September 8th, 2020 at the Genesee County Jail because I believe like you that we have to do something different and by changing the model of incarceration, this may be the key and we have proven by empirical data it works. We've proven by letters and emotions and testimonies that it works. Do you know the date that the public school district 
opens in Minneapolis, Minnesota is September 8th, 2021. One year to the date, we're gonna go from Flint wow. to Minneapolis, yeah. Swanson and Hutch, opening up another Ignite in the first out of Michigan County Jail. That's like, awesome. you can't make this up. Yeah. And then, of course, who's going to be there? Valerie, and among others. Well, that's the progress we talked about. Can you get Denzel Washington there by chance? Oh, my goodness. I don't know about that. <laughs> I, can, uh, yeah. I was going to say, you know, we should uh, cook, uh, hook in uh, uh, Coach Fleck from the, the Gophers because uh, Swanson and, and uh, you, you and him have similar personalities. Oh, yeah? Uh, he's very energetic. Uh, you know, uh, we should try to get him. I'm, I'm going to message him, and then that's I'll it. talk to both. John Randall is one of the most famous Minnesota Vikings, still lives here. Yes. He's retired. Uh, but again, I, just in closing, I think I can't I can't wait for this to happen. I think it's perfect timing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm also good friends with this. Uh, he's an African immigrant from, I think, uh, um, somewhere in West Africa. He's a superintendent of the St. Louis Park School District, which is a first-tier suburb, which is a pretty large district. So I'm going to invite him, too, so yeah. maybe we can do many in some of these suburbs yes but i talked to him briefly about it and he thought what a great idea and also you know to kind of go back to the riots i, I think it's most important to tell people out of minneapolis that those businesses that were burned besides some of the corporations were immigrant Somali, mostly Somali, and mostly south american and, and mexican owners and guess what some of that especially the latinos that weren't the documented citizens uh, they didn't get any cares money so yeah, lost everything. Yeah, put that in there. but uh, as far as ignite uh hmm. it's going to be awesome i'm so yeah. excited and um, uh, i think it's going to be a game changer not just for us but i think the national league uh i think as soon as we get this going i think we can uh sell it to the nsa we can sell it to the major county sheriffs of america uh and you know one by one we're like it doesn't i mean the nice thing about this is republicans can't complain Democrats that's right can't because we're making things better. We're gonna get more money into the economy. These people are gonna pay taxes. Yes. Build cool buildings. Um, you know, and again, we have a big construction company here, Mortensen Construction, who builds all the largest stadiums in, in America. I think even outside America, they built the US Bank. They built a new one down in uh, Vegas. And this is a multi-billion dollar company. And this dude wants to help. Um, and we can make this done. And just think if yes. you're a, a young, kid of color even a young white kid or whoever has been incarcerated you get a job with a company like that and you can travel around the world building stadiums dude and what cooler than that oh my gosh and and, and that right i mean i'm already getting excited not even know what the stories are going to be like oh. to think that this is a answer to part of the solution not the solution but it's an answer to the part of the solution oh. Um, man, I'm excited, Sheriff. I know we got a lot of planning to do with my office and your office, and I'm going to have Ken close out the show, but I just want you to know that uh, you uh, inspire me to keep going. When you came up to me, it was worth every mile I traveled to get to Phoenix. Your staff is phenomenal. It's like-minded. And to flip a chief deputy who is very objective and very matter-of-fact to, to say those words, it validates to me, hey, Chris, keep doing what you're doing. Ken, keep doing what you're doing. We just talked about it last show. What keeps us going? It's stories like that. So I'm with you, man. We're going to make it work, and I can't wait to come and see you personally. Yeah, I, I think my closing thought is um, just just being able to uh, recognize and see why Valerie had the kind words about yes. you that, that she did. And 
um, it doesn't take a lot to be a judge of a person's character. Sometimes you could recognize that right off the bat just with the things that, that they speak about. And so I'm excited to see the connection and collaboration between the two of you all and, and what that forms and creates from there. And I'm looking forward to chipping in and, and helping out in any way that I can and how we can intertwine it into the greater movement of Us United that we're working on. Because it's people like the two of you that are in law enforcement that not only give me hope, but give people mm. like Valerie hope. And she needs it more than That's anyone right. because of what she has um, experienced. And, and so to know that the hearts of the two of you are able to make a difference. And it's like, what if we make that infectious? What yes. if we make that spread throughout all forms of law enforcement throughout the country? Then that's what change looks like. And that's what we're all asking for, is for more people in law enforcement to be just like you guys, you know? And so we'll get hmm. there eventually. So, awesome. Thanks everybody. Thanks, Sheriff. Thank you. And we'll see you all on the next episode of Black and Blue.